or you can't quite see the head of it. But yeah, basically, it, that makes a big difference on audio, no doubt about it. Um, and wow, uh, it's I, just gone. Your audio's what? just gone messed up. Has it gone messed up now for you? Yours How has. Bad? Really? Like really echoey. I wonder why that is. Um, hey, folks, um, now that you're here, you may as well help us with this. Um, <laughs> how is my audio sounding? I'm, get, I'm getting complaints from my co-host that my audio is bad, um, which it I'm prepared to accept. Um, I think it's likely to be you, Anton. Let's face it. Um, however, um, it is good to know um, whether you can hear me okay or whether it's some sort of weird echo or some sort of at the bottom of a well uh, kind of experience. Uh, so wherever you are right now, can you just give me some idea? Everyone's saying I'm sounding good, man. So Anton, clearly you. It might be yeah. the Bluetooth. Maybe you're hearing it through um, Bluetooth as well as the, the the speakers elsewhere. I don't know, but um, is is it is this so bad that you can't focus, or do we? Need nah, to we're all good. Me? I can we're just hear myself twice. Uh, that's no good, though, mate. I tell you, you might be on a different. You might be on two browsers, man. Check out whether you've got the whether you've launched. Uh, the crowdcast on two browsers and that may actually sometimes do that, that was um it. yeah that was boom it. that's experience for you right there mate only there's a reason why i've done 165 this is episode 165 folks bringing it to you every friday no fail and there's evidence that i've been on doing every one of these uh because i recognize i troubleshot a potential issue because I've had that issue as well. When you've got two browsers, you're looking at the same thing. It can be the worst thing ever. And actually very stressful to continue the conversation, even though I know you would have soldiered through it, Anton. Um, it is actually very stressful because you're never meant to hear yourself speak, but definitely not twice. It's quite a disturbing yeah. thing to do over a course of an hour. So anyway, everyone can hear me on uh, Crowdcast, which is good. Uh, we should be multi-streaming in this post, so we should be out on... Uh, LinkedIn Live, LinkedIn, if you're here and watching it there, please let me know whether you can hear me okay. Um, we're also live on Twitter and Facebook as well. Oh, we've got a few people saying they're okay. Kevin Blair there saying uh, things are a bit tinny. What, what is it? Are you Scousers? <laughs> Scousers got audio problems. Guess what? Everyone's got audio problems listening to you guys. Um, that's that's, that's another matter. We should do the the, the accent chat and another another show. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, we're going to be really excited to be talking about today's topic because it's something that I think we should all really be very very sensitive to because it's it's occurred to me that um, you know. Your ability to influence is such a big part of how a recruiter does his or her job, right? Influencing skills. If you did like a bullet point list of what are the top five skills a recruiter needs, I assure you influence would be in that top five. And yet most of the time, at least most of my kind of professional career, the greatest influence I exerted was through building relationships with people in person. And I was able to get to know them in such a way that... I would be able to basically figure out the things that motivated them and things that were important and so on and so forth. Building those like deep relationships really helped me influence. Like I didn't have the sort of hypnotic charisma uh, that maybe you do, Anton, that can persuade people to do stuff. I don't have this. So moving to video, it just occurred to me, suddenly everything is just flat. It's just like, you know, transactional typically. It's very much okay what's happening. How do you influence on video? How do you influence in the world of remote? 
very interesting, very important topic to talk about. So that is the topic of it today. And we've got a new co-host as well. So Anton, let me introduce Anton Boner to the show. Uh, Anton, why don't you say hello? Who are you? What it is you do, man? Thank you. I was going to say, Hong, I've met you many times in person. You're better on screen. <laughs> Sorry. That's true. Uh, That's yeah. So, so, so I'm Anton, one of the co-founders at Screen Loop. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about what Screen Loop does. So we're a hiring intelligence platform that integrates with your ATS. We've got several tools that you can use as part of the Screen Loop platform. So we have candidate engagement tools. So you can gather feedback from candidates as they go through the candidate journey rather than just at the end, which most of the ATSs do, which as we know, it's either really good, good feedback or really bad if they got the job or not. So we allow you to collect feedback during the process. You'll see a massive reduction in drop off up to 60% just by asking for feedback as they go through the process. Second product is interview training. Any new hiring managers or people that have been interviewing for years, chuck them into our platform. They can consume various bits of content to upskill them and you can drop your own content in there as well. Then we have probably the, the, the most, it's probably our most fun product, product and it's the interview intelligence. So we're on a Zoom call right now, quite relevant to today's chat. Uh, it analyzes everything that happens in the interviews. So we'll take all of your notes for you. It will save clips of specific questions that you've asked. Uh, and it will give you loads of data as to what happened in the interview. You can either use that for shadowing, so you no longer have to sit in and be the, the strange guy that sits in on the interviews to make sure your interviewers aren't messing things up. You can provide feedback on the recording, or a lot of businesses actually use it for every interview so that they can provide better feedback, collaborate on the hiring decisions. And then finally, we've got automated references. References have been you know, a bit old hat for years. Not much value was taken from them. So we've automated that, but also add value by testing on soft skills, pass it over to your hiring manager, let that person onboard in a more uh, a more compelling way, which increases the chances of them passing probation and being successful in their role. So that's a bit about us. That's really good, folks. And by the way, I've just shared the uh, the link to Screen Loop into the chat stream. Thank you so much for that intro. Uh, by the way, this might be a new innovation, you know. Um, typically, I'm the one that's, like, providing thank you to the sponsors. But it's kind of occurred to me, maybe I should just get the sponsors to come in and, like, give their 60 seconds. So let me know what you think about this. You can hear it from the horse's mouth rather than hearing it from me. And I can also get the opportunity to put some of the sponsors that work in because Anton's going to be co-hosting this show for us. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, Screen Loop, it's I didn't realize it was a multi kind of a functional product, but all of those bits within the recruitment process that previously were manual um, or previously things that were a little bit sticky to do, it seems yeah. like you can do it all in one go with this product. So do check it out. Um, okay, Anton, let's talk about the newsletter. We always review it uh, before we kick off the show. So uh, did you read it? And if so, what was interesting from last week's uh, issue, mate? Of course, yeah, it was a good one. So there's a couple of points that were relevant to today's topic. So if I pulled... Um, the increase in open and reply rate of emails just by including someone's name in the subject title. And the reason that this is important is once you get on a Zoom call, whether it be an interview, a sales call, whatever it is, the first uh, the first key moment for that candidate or that um, person you're trying to sell to is the email. If you're not personalizing your email, if the people aren't opening your emails or LinkedIn DMs, whatever it may be, um, you're already off to a bad start. That person's got a bad perspective of you or perceptive of you. And uh, yeah, and then I'd, I'd take that a step further. So within that email, personalize it. Don't copy and paste to candidates. Don't copy and paste to uh, someone that you're trying to sell to. And I'd aim for three personalized points because that way it shows that you've gone that extra step further. Your open rate, your reply rate, and your close rate will increase significantly if you do those things. 
there's good science behind this now, isn't there? Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty confident now that these things actually do work. So insert the name of the person into the subject line. That Simple. gives a, a straight away an idea that, that you've done a little bit of research. And then, yeah, the more personalization bits you can put in, the better. I think you can do too many as well. I think if you're overly personal, it becomes creepy. If yep. you're too light, it becomes too obvious. But two to three seems optimal. And it actually does set us up for this because I think you're right. There's a lot of the stuff happens before the video interview itself. Because if you're trying to say, oh, who are you? Or, oh, sorry, my name is. It's like... <sighs> it's a bit awkward to do that like you want to get straight into conversation because that's where you're already there so i think that one of the, the first points on d doing influence remotely is you've got to get it right asynchronously first before you come into the video sync there's lesson number one okay give us another one mate um the report from phenom which was around how candidates interact with your careers page so there's mm. tons of data and stats in there um some of which can be implemented by any business. Others, there's a little bit of engineering work and a bit of AI involved. But um, a couple of the key things which I pulled out was um, an interactive careers page. So 96% of businesses don't have an interactive careers page. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're a .NET engineer, you're searching .NET jobs online. Wouldn't it be great if when you went to a careers page, the first job at the top of the list was a .NET role and not some sales role in a different country? Um, so basically creating a little bit of a logic to who visits your page. There's other tips and tricks on there. And then the second one is only 10% of businesses ask candidates for feedback during the interview process. And Screenloop does that. So I pulled that one out as a, as a really special one because the drop-off in candidates, again, it, it goes back to the initial email. Every interaction with the candidate needs to be personalized. It needs to be um, created in a way which the candidate feels wanted for the business. But you're not 90 percent of businesses aren't asking for feedback on how they thought the process went and by using something like screen loop we see a 60 percent reduction in drop off just by asking candidates how they found the experience through the process and not just at the end that's right i mean it could be a terrible experience right so if it could be let's say a suboptimal experience but if you ask the question then you you give kind of the the, the individual who's gone through this mediocre experience at least a little bit of space to talk about it um and your ability to register that you've heard this issue actually will improve the experience <laughs> like a great deal of it is that you feel as if you're not treated as if you're a human being um and i think candidates are also mature enough to recognize that not everything's going to be perfect nothing is going to be smooth but give some space for you to feedback don't be afraid of having that or collecting that type of review it could be the difference between as you say um uh, getting 10 candidates through the through the the next stage or getting two um you know it's worth the effort to do it uh, by the way a phenom have, have put this uh, report and they did put it behind an email registration wall but uh yano was very kind uh to, to tell me that she she was happy for me to share the pdf do take a look at it basically uh they studied 100 uh, career websites in europe i believe it was and they put it through quite an interesting audit just to see where they're at and obviously phenom produces type of software so clearly they're gonna outline the things that they uh, they can address as a product but it's good to have at least that benchmark because a lot of and they do rank the companies so uh unlike a lot of these surveys that you see it's like oh yeah we interviewed uh, we surveyed 5,000 websites and you see no evidence for that uh, here they've actually listed those companies um 
so you know you can actually go and investigate it yourself i think it's a really valuable piece of work so well done phenom and yana for that okay give us one more anton before we get into it um probably the last one would be the um the salary the, the, the salary discrepancies between all of the big the big uh top businesses in the world that have let people go recently uh, there was a comparison of their uh, salary and, and uh, commission based off their stock big reason to join one of those big companies is your stock goes up and up and up and your salary might be slightly less but now obviously the market's crashed and their salary doesn't match uh, doesn't match up with what they previously signed up for. And a big reason that they were there in the first place was for that stock, which is worth nothing now. So a lot, there's a lot of people that have flooded into the the, the tech space now. And, and there's a lot of people that have flooded into the job market that have come from one of those big businesses that have now been burnt by the promise of stock that's going to continue going up forever, that are now looking for roles at smaller businesses they don't want to go through that again and they want a business that's potentially going to have you know a higher higher base salary essentially okay so this is one where i'm going to file under first world problems um because everyone who's affected by this is already on a significant salary i would imagine um yeah. but it's actually really interesting to observe the psychology of people that have variable income um so in other words you accept so the, the scenario is You've been uh, headhunted or you've joined a big tech company and they said, here's your base salary that's fixed and guaranteed. But actually, you're going to earn three times as much due to the stock uh, grants that you're going to get every year. You can flip those grants every year. Effectively, that is salary. So that's what they're selling. Effectively, that's compensation. That's what they're selling to you. But... The stock price um, was traditionally, it was always thinking of going top right, but now it's starting to crater and people are saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm giving these stock grants, but the, the price of it is significantly less than anticipated. And there's even talk of people renegotiating their stock grants because that's not what they joined for and their total compensation is down. And as you say, Anton, people might be looking to leave because actually they, they've lost confidence in the state of the business and they think maybe the stock will continue to slide, in which case without a reconfiguration, of how much they're going to get allocated, they may be checking out. So anyway, first of all, problems, everyone on this is like over six figures anyway, but um, it is part of your cycle. I was speaking to a friend of mine who is in this situation, um, and uh, she basically is an uh, engineering manager at one of these big companies. Um, I remember last time where I, I chatted with her, uh, she was like embarrassed to tell me how much she was on because of the, the just outrageous. <laughs> I was outraged. I said to her directly, you're not even that good. Um, <laughs> but she was, she was, I think, a, a huge amount. But I had a conversation. How much? Recently. How much? <laughs> Six hundred yeah. grand. I wish you hadn't told us. <laughs> Six hundred grand a year, right? Uh, and uh, I and I basically recruited this person ten years ago at forty-five k. So you know, it's like zoom, zoom, zoom uh, at the top. Anyway, as high as you can go without being like, I mean, that's higher than most C C uh, chief executive officers in the UK in the FTSE 100 in terms of guaranteed yeah. comp, uh, or at least previously guaranteed comp with the equity, uh, but now it's like obviously less and significantly less and still it's a big number but it's 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 almost like okay now instead of 600 it's like 350 yeah. um and if you just have that ratio if you're used to having that number and it's gone down to you know to, to half then yeah you might feel a little bit disturbed so i'm yeah. torn i'm torn between people that are entering the job market now though that haven't worked on those businesses whether they would take that risk 
at the lower stock price and potentially it skyrockets and they make more than someone that joined a year ago or whether people are not willing to take that risk. So there's going to be people that are making really tough decisions over the next six months. It is. And let me tell you as well, um, my friend shared, shared with me a very interesting thing. She manages a team and she says, look, it's actually a distortionary effect on people's psychology as to the size of total compensation they do have. Remember prior to the last year, it was like everyone just throwing money at any kind of software person um, is that everyone just thinks about money. Uh, it's yeah. just so driven by comp because it's firstly a big number and a life changing number. And secondly, it goes it's swinging one way or the other. Um, and, and so, you know, yes, Stephen, you're right. They don't need to vest, but for some of these companies, you can basically flip them on a yearly basis. So you don't necessarily need to hang around. Um, okay, let's get on with the show. Let's bring on our guests and talk about it. Um, Anton, let's just deal with you firstly, because you're actually a reasonable person to talk to in this in this context, because let's not forget your history. You went in, a, you came from a sales-related position um, at Stack Overflow, I understand. So you were basically the person that was influencing in a non-video sense, you know, in-person meetings, telephone calls, doing all that stuff. And then suddenly you experienced the shift to remote and now you've joined a video tech company. How do you think that's changed the way in which you build influence? What things are transferable? What things do you need to do differently uh, that, you know, no longer apply in, in this remote-only world? I think I touched on it briefly at the start, and it's it's the research on the person that you're speaking to. Like if you don't know if you don't know valuable information about that person, and I don't mean what their kids' names are, I mean like valuable information about them, their role, the businesses that they've worked at. Um, I think you're already off to a terrible start. Like you said at, at the beginning, if you're asking them questions that you can find online, you're losing already. So a ton of research is important, but obviously the way you present yourself. There's all the stuff about like where your camera's uh, located, whether you, you know, I've had many calls where someone's on their side camera and typing and all you, you're looking mm -hmm. at the side of their head for the entire call and it really annoys me. Um, and are they typing notes or are they slacking someone? There's all of these questions that go on in your head that just throw you off completely. So if you're the person that's trying to impress, it needs to be focused attention, turn off your notifications, even this looking up at your, oh, just had a LinkedIn message, painful, like, just focus on the person that you're speaking to and make sure that you're engaged with them fully. Okay, so, so some crimes there right away. How many of you have multi-screen? Uh, let me know in chat. How many of you have a setup where there's like one, two, three different screens you're looking at? And actually the camera that you're using for calls may not be the one that's facing you and you're looking sideways. I do I do think you're right. It's awkward. It's weird. Um, and this is unnatural, right? I mean, if, if you think that we're all like used to being in a situation where in an in-person scenario, you generally face close face-to-face, -face, maybe just off-center if it's more than three people. But if you're doing a one-to-one, -one, the other person's looking off, off in a bleak fashion, no bueno. Typing away, again, terrible. Um, I've had someone eat food whilst that we were having a chat and it was like, no, <laughs> we, don't, we don't know each other well enough for you to be eating lunch whilst we're having this conversation. I've, right? I've so, had plenty of people eat food on calls with me, but if I'm trying to pitch to them, then you, you've just got to get on with it. I think that's rude, man. It's rude. So, so there's an element, so there's basic politeness that is going to help. So the idea of full focus, uh, the camera positioning we'll talk about a bit later because I think there is a, an angle where a lot of people are using laptop cameras and obviously it kind of looks upwards, but actually that makes people look as if you're looking down at them 
a little bit like this. And is that the effect that you want to, 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 to achieve? Um, you know, I wonder whether someone's prepared to A-B test this. Somebody's a salesperson or whatever. If you're struggling to close because you're you know, looking down your nose at people, put the camera higher somehow and see whether that helps. Um, so, you know, there's all kinds of little techniques we can, we can look at. But those, those are technical video stuff. Let's think about some other things we could do as well. Let's bring on, I guess, we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring on Soma. If she's if she's there, she is miraculously. Soma's just had a baby, by the way. So we'll look forward to uh, well, congratulating her on that. I think Mike is here. Is he there? Well, there is a Mike who is, uh, well, I assume that's who we want. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, okay, let's get Stephen on. He's definitely here. I'm just enjoying the fact that who's uh, someone's got five. Stephen's got five cameras, apparently. I, I, I can believe it. Well, there is video, brilliant video there. Look how amazing does Soma look? Um, and there's Stephen as well. Um, and we're waiting for Mike. I think it's the right Mike. Uh, there he is. There's Mike. Okay, cool. We have our crew. By the way, folks, uh, uh, Mark is not able to join us, uh, which is why Stephen is stepped <coughs> in. He may be around, in which case we'll drop him back in if he's uh, uh, interested and up for it. Uh, okay, let's do some intros firstly. Uh, Soma, um, can you introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Sure, and thank you for the uh, the compliment. You have no idea what this room looked like until yesterday. I had a baby almost three months ago, and this became baby room of boxes and stuff. And so yesterday was panic. So I didn't know if I could use a virtual background. So glad it well, worked. Well, firstly, congratulations on the growing family, Soma. That's amazing. And I, I want to be very thankful to you particularly because you did tell me about, you know, uh, kind of monitoring what, you, what was happening in your personal life. And you're still willing to come in to have this talk with us. So yeah, thank there was, you so a, much. yeah, 3.30 feeding, 6.30. Here we are at 8, but it's not a problem. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, so I've been recruiting for 20 years. I started out with contingency, moved to retained exec in 08 and uh, launched my own brand a couple years ago, uh, actually a month before COVID to be exact, and uh, decided to write a book. Uh, during that beginning of COVID, times were slow. I talked to people, got motivated and inspired and published it uh, just in May. It came out a week before the baby. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy timing. All things happening. Um, so great to have you on the show, uh, Soma, um, and welcome. Uh, look forward to your input on this. Um, Stephen, let's go to you. Uh, who are you? What is you do, sir? Hi. Uh, most people know me for running the National Online Recruitment Awards. I've been in recruitment since oh, 87, but since 2000, been on the, the tech and vendor side, well, straddling or riding several horses with the same backside. Uh, but uh, I'm now a Chief Growth Officer at TIA Tech. Fantastic. And TA Tech are basically, I think, the only significant community for technology business owners, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Essentially a trade body for uh, for technology providers to the hiring and HR sector worldwide. Yep. Fantastic. Good stuff. Welcome to the show, Stephen. And Mike, let's uh, well, congratulate, not congratulations, but welcome to the show. Great to see you. Um, uh, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do, sir? Yeah, sure. No congratulations or babies have it in my side, uh, Hung. So, uh, <laughs> thankfully. No, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a head of partnerships for Horsefly Talent Market Analytics. Um, and I've uh, been with, uh, with with these guys for about six years. But um, I, I suddenly realized I've been in the industry for over 20 years. So, I'm, I'm, I'm also getting old now. Um, but, uh, but great to <laughs> Thanks for having me. 
Don't worry, you're looking terrific though, Mike. It's all about aesthetics. It's not about the uh, the amount of time you spent on the planet. Um, so, okay, great. Let's talk about this topic. Anton and I have already kind of covered a few points. Like how can you, you know, what, what, what is the challenge? Let me pose the, um, the question uh, to you again. Um, uh, sales and influence, how do you influence prior to COVID? In my opinion, that was so much dependent on in-person relationships building uh, deep relationships with people that you've just spent a huge amount of time with. Has things changed in the shift to remote? And if so, what has changed? And how does that kind of um, impact our ability to do the job? Has our influence basically gone down overall compared to what it was before? Thoughts on this. Um, Mike, I'm going to go with you first, actually, because you're going from the sales side. It might be interesting to get your perspective of how the work of sales has changed. You know, uh, previously you'd get a meeting, you'd meet them face to face, all that stuff would happen. Now, probably not so often. So how has that changed your work? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a huge shift and a, and a, and a big challenge. I mean, the whole world kind of went through that, you know, been thrown upside down um, during the pandemic. And and actually, the point that you raised earlier about sort of understanding the person you're talking about, I think that's that's relevant full stop in anything you're doing within from a sales perspective. But we implemented video probably that that June, July of the first sort of phase of the pandemic, really, because, you know, it was it was about trying to be personal with people. And, and I think when you don't have that in-person opportunity, having the ability that someone can see your face and... And actually, the most important thing, I think, with, with any video or any outreach full stop is, is what, what is your purpose for calling that person? And if, if you don't have a purpose and you don't know that person, then any content you put out is, is not going to be you know, well received or get an engagement. But we had some fantastic results from video. I mean, there's, you know, we tried a couple of different platforms. I think Vidyard was one that we, we've been using. Um, and, and actually, we were kind of starting videos with you know, that person that we were talking to, their LinkedIn profile, for example, just on, on screen. So a mixture of, you know, us and uh, a screen share, the person we're talking to, because I think there's something about, you know, them, you know, if, if someone's doing a video to me and, and I can see my face on the screen, I go, why, why they got my, my face on the screen? Um, okay, let, let me interrupt just quickly, Mike. So you're talking about sending a pre-recorded video, right? Yeah. This is a pre-recorded video. Uh, so this is on outreach. So instead of just ping, pinging an email in, what you're saying is, look, we're going to record a video. We're going to try and personalize it by putting some sort of indicator or sign that is absolutely personalized. This person, oh, Soma's sort of uh, uh, LinkedIn profiles on there. They can see that and that should encourage them to press click uh, and play on that video. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think um, the, the interesting thing is, is that, you know, we we the amount of people that actually came back and said that was a fantastic approach. Really liked it. You know, not had this before, and I know it's become much much more popular now. But actually, the engagement levels we got was was, was fantastic, and it also allowed uh, a much softer approach, really, in terms of offering support. And we did a lot of this, and you know, particularly through the pandemic, where where people were going through difficult times, it was a really nice kind of softer. Um, you know, personal approach to to what was a, a challenging period of time. So, Alan, underlining the psychology a little bit, um, basically what you were trying to do with the pre-recorded video is to close the distance um, that we previously closed in person. Like, in other words, there may be no prospect that will meet this, at, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that will have a meeting. 
previously it would all be a setup towards all right come on side come you know there will be some sort of physical interaction but there may not exist this may not exist anymore the person may need to have it make a, a decision without physically meeting the person so you've got to close the gap somehow and you have got to front up you've got to be on screen you've got to be a human being uh in order to uh, to make uh, the other person feel as if they're also feeling that way um that's my read of it anyway um that's very interesting mike um and maury you're absolutely correct a lot great to see you on here i might bring you on screen a little bit later if you're for it because uh, i think you've got some really interesting insights to add um okay let's go to you soma um in terms of your experience it's like a different style of work the reason why you three are on here because all three of you are doing different types of work um where you know maybe it's transitioned from one side to the to the other uh with the shift to uh, to video work what have you done differently or what have you noticed in terms of how you do uh your stuff um now that video is the primary way that we do uh contact Sure. So I'll admit that I prefer phone to video and I prefer video to in-person. So whenever possible, I, I nudge people toward phone. And I, and I think a lot about there's long-term and short-term and there's clients and candidates. So a lot of different ways to slice and dice all of this, but I do like the pre-recorded video for video job descriptions. And that's something brand new that I never did before everything shifted. So I actually I'm not even on those. I do it with a client. So I record our briefing call and edit it down and add in some of their Instagram feed and cool stuff, photos, culture, and have them pitch the role as a follow-up with the job description. So that's been awesome because then candidates can hear directly from the hiring manager. Here's why I'm looking all this. So that's been a huge benefit. And people are telling me that it's, it's great. And it also, um, kind of chops down 10, 15 minutes of the interview because they've already done, right. Let me tell you about the job. You know, they've already done that. Um, but when it comes to me and sales, I find that the in-person is a lot of pressure, at least from my perspective, on kind of fluffy stuff. Let's go out for wine. Let's chit chat. I'm like, I can do it, but it's not my favorite. Like, I, it's not my favorite to fly around and chit chat and go for wine. I'd rather just like, can we just talk about how we're going to fill your job? Can we just cut to the chase? And I find that now that's it's it's expected and people kind of appreciate it they're like thank you yeah please let's just talk about what we're going to do <laughs> and so and, and then i find on the phone you can really listen without worrying about how am i looking am i looking at the camera am i looking around am i taking notes am i this and that and you can just listen and i love listening and it just takes all that pressure off the extra stuff so i'll pause there but that's that's my two cents that's so interesting you've actually introduced a really interesting dimension to um to video um uh, uh, comms which i hadn't considered um which the the in-person relationship building would always kind of advantage certain types of person um uh, you know the person that firstly is more available to go and do this stuff so this is where it helps young people that are going out and living in the in the, in the city centers for instance if you're you know commuting in going out and having beers after work is actually a totally different proposition compared to if you're living in the city center and of course there's a demographic there's an age demographic issue there as well um and I, I, there's obviously a gender issue there also um you know who is more likely to be going out and you know doing the things in you know the, certainly in the british culture i'm sure the us is is, is is similar in many respects kind of drink driven in large degree um uh you know those things are actually critical for work i remember 
you know, going back a couple of decades now, but when I first joined uh, my first company, it was totally expected to go out and have drinks with people. Uh, and there was no question that anybody wouldn't do this. Right? There was no, oh, I, I, I'm detailed. No, no bueno. Like you're going to have this drink. Um, so uh, it, uh, the video, the shift video might actually open up the opportunity to do influencing or sales driven work for, to a different demographic of people that previously were always disadvantaged on that. That's super, super interesting. And, and finally, I do love the point about being able to listen without distraction on phone. I think that is an underrated um, an underrated way of doing it. For me, just to ex share some personal um, kind of feeling on this, I'm much better doing a phone call with someone who I know um, compared to someone who I don't. Um, if I don't know them, then I prefer the context as much information as I can. That includes a, a video. Um, so that may be a personal preference. Um, no, Dave, I haven't tried uh, wine video calls. Maybe that's a good <laughs> idea. I, I'm totally up for it if you are, Dave. Um, Steve, let's go to you. Uh, you are a grizzled vet. I hope you don't mind me saying. Um, that's but absolutely you've fine. Seen <laughs> you've seen this journey all the way through and you've actually even worked for video companies also. So you've got some yeah. like technical and product knowledge and, and, you know, philosophical knowledge around all this. What's your theory on how, uh, how to influence on video? Like, how do you do that compared to, uh, you know, direct phone call or in-person stuff that we used to do? So first of all, video is a platform where we've, we've kind of ended up on video after chasing candidates if we're talking about recruitment. Uh, through different mediums where they would eventually block us off. So, you know, whether it was phoning people, they didn't answer the phones or sending emails or sending texts or messaging through LinkedIn and so on. And as Mike was saying, uh, messaging people with, uh, with, with video, you're, you, it's a novel way of, of communicating with people. But uh, after the, uh, the, we get to the point where everyone's sending video messages, is anyone going to look at them anymore? But uh, more importantly, uh, as Summer says, uh, in terms of listening, it's an interaction. So where you're looking to influence someone, you can influence someone if you're only broadcasting, if you're only putting out a message, you need to get feedback on, is, is my message being understood or received? Do I need to rephrase what I'm saying? So if I'm looking at someone on screen and I can see the person, then I can respond to that. I'm, uh, I, I love how video interviews are used in a lot of cases, but the asymmetric where you're recording and sending off I'm not a big fan of, but uh, you know, a one-to-one -one where you're speaking to the person, where you're speaking with the hiring manager. If I'm looking to persuade a hiring manager as a candidate that I want to come and work for this company, then I, I want to know that what I'm saying is landing and uh, all of the, 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 the micro gestures that are appearing in my face and in their face, they all build up learn knowledge of the person. So when you're talking about uh, preferring a phone call with someone, and I, I, I I love phone calls. I'm, I'm, I'm quite at home on phone calls. But a phone call, you're relatively, well, if you think about it in terms of having blinkers on, you're concentrating completely on what someone is saying and excluding everything else, and you're focusing more. Uh, in video, it's it's easier to be distracted if, you know, on, on a, a show like this or, a, you know, a Zoom call and so on. If you've got multiple people on the call and you've got other programs going on, your, your emails are coming in, your LinkedIn's happening, and other lurch, then you can be distracted by other things. But if, uh, if 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 you see the use of video evolving, we're only at the, the foothills of where it's going to go. Uh, a few years ago, I would I would say every job advert should be a video job advert where the hiring manager is on screen. They're talking about the company. They're showing the culture. They're showing the person that 
you might be going to work alongside. And actually, the, the response rates to those were companies like Siemens, for example, uh, they, they measured the response and they found that the measurable caliber of candidates who applied for jobs was something like 175 percent up. Uh, and that, that, that was actually from two things. So the candidates who didn't suit for the job were more accurately self-selecting themselves out and not applying. Uh, because they knew they weren't a match. And candidates who were never going to apply before, who might have had preconceptions about a company, thinking about the culture or the environment or the, the hiring manager, they then apply where they were never going to apply before. And more than that, what they found was that something like 47% more females were applying for jobs, engineering jobs, uh, than before, uh, because they could they could literally picture themselves working for the hiring manager who's made a video. They've shared the culture and the environment, and uh, and they think, you know, I could work for that person, whether they're male or female or, or, or whatever, they can picture themselves in the role. And actually, it opens up a door to understanding a job and a company and a culture that you're just not able to get from... Uh, a, you know, a, a text-based job advert on on a job board. Uh, so, you know, in, I, I wouldn't let, do. Video let me interrupt you. Let text. me interrupt you there, Sorry. Stephen, just to underline that point because I think it's really important. Yeah. Um, it, like one of the uh, the advantages of, of doing the video, the employer branding video, if you like, mm. um, getting the hiring manager on talking about it, is oftentimes to like puncture um some uh, uh brand perceptions that yeah. the marketplace might have of you siemens for instance what is that huge manufacturing company all i know is that they do like these huge things uh why am I, why is that suited to me i might have some preconceptions about this but if yeah. you have someone stepping up and saying things and then suddenly recorrecting that it gives you an opportunity to trade it's actually very similar to i remember having a conversation with ibm and they had the same problem they had an overwhelmingly powerful brand because everyone knows ibm but it also carries with it like a connotation as to who works for ibm um That's and they re yeah, they really needed uh, to have, um, uh, 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 their, in, in their case, it wasn't hiring managers, it was actually employees to step in uh, yeah. to just show who they were. Um, so I think that's a, that's a really significant point. Um, okay, cool. Very, very interesting. Um, let's move the conversation on a little bit. I want to leave the, um, the, the recorded video aspect behind just a moment, because I think there's one style of video, in fact, there's two styles of video async message and then also which async personalized message and then we've got the employer branding video which is probably not so personalized but it goes to a big cohort let's talk about the in-person uh, should we say synchronous video uh synchronous video um when we're opening a conversation and by the way it doesn't have to be sales it could be your first conversation with a hiring manager for instance previously you could go and visit that person sit at desk and do all maybe it would be taking uh you know going for lunch with them or whatever you'd have a different context now it's like a 30 minute zoom call right it's like scheduled in in and out very transactional what should you be doing in order to make sure that your relationship is in a strong position so that not only are you just like processing information, but you know, you've got a, a relationship with this person that you can help, you can work together on solving this problem. Uh, thoughts on this? Uh, I'll throw it up to, to everyone, including you, Anton. Anybody who's got any ideas, then, then check this one out. I mean, I'm just going to make, I'll make a really quick point on, you know, whether it's, the, the, around the, the continual engagement and because because actually that's that's that doesn't change whether you've done a 30 minute zoom or a or a, an hour in person you know interview with someone you know that that process that you need to go through in my opinion that you've got to look after them so that stays the same i actually think from a from a if you think from a hiring perspective how much easier it is now for candidates that 
can have interviews without thinking I've got to go and travel into London. I've got to drive. I've got to drive somewhere. I've got to catch a train. And and you never know somebody's personal circumstances, financial circumstances, and all of those things. So I, I think in, in that perspective, you know, the the, the Zoom or whatever or Teams, you know, that process of that first certainly first course is is superb. Dude, on the financial side, and this is not a sub story, but I remember when I graduated from university, I couldn't take an interview at London. I couldn't afford the damn train fare. Yeah. I couldn't afford the train fare. And because it was like a four hour ride from where I was going in, if it was a nine o'clock or early morning meeting, I'd have to do the night before. I couldn't afford the rent. Um, so I had to refuse it. I couldn't take the opportunity or just explore the opportunity because of the financial cost. If back in those days, if we had the video, that's close to zero cost. You can go and do it. So I think definitely big equalizer on all of this stuff. Okay. How do we do the influencing though? Is there any techniques or tips that you can throw at us? Um, people listening in here, right here, everyone is watching a video. Everyone's been on a webcam. What are you spotting in your interactions with people that you think, you know what, that's a clear mistake. Um, uh, they could do this a little bit better, or if they, you know, learn how to do th do it this way, it would improve. Thoughts? Um, let's go. Yes, yeah, Stephen, go to, go to you, man. Well, I'll tell you how you can influence someone if you come on and if you're doing that, uh, you know, that 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 up your nose view from a camera, and you've got dodgy dodgy audio, and your 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 Wi-Fi is not very good, then your credibility is shot. So it's important to have the small investment in making sure that you're clean and clear on screen and that your camera's eye level, all of these things can be done for, for, for no or little cost. And uh, everyone has one of these in the pocket. So, you know, if you're going on screen with a phone, then absolutely you've got a great camera on your phone. So in terms of technology, people can get caught up in spending a lot of money and spending a lot of time on getting used to the tech. But actually, if you just get, you know, simple, uh, uh, clean fixes to make sure that you look good on screen, then you can then forget about that and focus on what you're doing. And credibility is everything. So when you're when you're talking authoritatively about any product uh, or, or, or if it's a candidate talking about the background, then the tech can't be tripping you up. You need to be uh, you, you have a, a clean direction between you and the person. And you were saying before about, you know, speaking directly to the camera, uh, learn what works and what doesn't work. Okay, it's a really important point. Basically, anybody these days, I say anybody, I appreciate different people have different economics and all the rest of it. But the reality yeah. of it is, if you're a professional right now working in a job where you can where computer work is your thing, chances are you can afford to buy a 30 pound webcam, which is a significant improvement on, on what's happening on your uh, inbuilt laptop. You could probably uh, get a mic of some type or you can get headphones. You can get something that just improves the overall ambient experience. There was actually a really good bit of um, research that I need to really reshare. I'll try and dig it up. But basically, they shared, they split an audience into two cohorts and they shared the same information to the audience, uh, but they just changed the audio quality of how it was communicated. And they asked the audience A, whether they agreed with the content of the, the thing on the asked audience B, whether they agreed with it. The people that had the good audio agreed with it. The people that had the bad audio did like, The content wasn't even relevant. It was like to an, the ex to an extent, you can get away with dodgy video, but bad audio and people just switch off. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Ab absolutely vital. Uh, no I, I, bueno. I, I was going to go beyond that and say that if you're looking to be an influencer in recruitment and using video, 
than putting out content on a regular basis with video. It needs to be in your, your daily or weekly schedule of just things that you do. And you don't need to think about, oh, I've got a video to do. In the same way as people used to think about putting out uh, content on social media, uh, just include video in there as a, as a regular part of what you do and get used to it. Because your audience all have phones in their pockets and they're all experiencing your content on the way to work, on uh, walking around the house in the garden, taking out the dog for a walk, a any of these things, they're absorbing your video. And they're usually wearing headphones, so you're literally between their ears. If you want to be between the ears of people, then, you know, video and audio is the way to go. All right, so there's there's, an, there's a, another second point there, which is quite interesting, is that one way to be more influential on video is actually to be more fluent on video. So we talk about the tech a little bit, talk about all of this, but mm -hmm. your, your level of fluency comes with reps. Um, so if you're not doing it enough, then obviously you're not getting the reps in. Um, but if you do kind of habitually put it in your routine that, yes, you're going to just get on this a little bit more, then guess what? Your skill level gets up there and you'll get better at it. Um, so if you're one of these intermittent folks, then maybe that's going to be, you're going to essentially be slowing down your own kind of development of skills in doing this type of stuff. But by the way, I'm just leaning a little bit on, on stuff that I've learned from, from things like TikTok, for instance. It is like, it's not about high production value. It's not about thinking a lot. It's like literally just going and shooting and going with it. Um, and there's no question the people that are, uh, are most popular on that platform are the folks that do it all the time. Okay, Claire's had a very interesting observation. She's talking about background. Is that significant? Is that important? What are your thoughts? I mean, we've all got very different backgrounds here. So, uh, folks, why don't we have a little bit of a vote? Like, who's got the best background? I've got this, like, a screen here. Anton's, like, got a beige kitchen wall. Totally boring. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, Soma has got, an, um, I think, a really nice, it's a really nice kind of uh, interior design. Uh, Steven's just gone like massive with the, the, the neon. And uh, and uh, <laughs> I think Mike has gone, I don't know, he's kind of oblique with the corner there. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to know your votes, folks. Like who has got the best background? If we were trying to speak to you on video, which we are right now, where would you say um, is, is the most attractive for you? I'd love to know your, your opinion. I'd also love to know why. Um, so anyway, on to the topic. Background important, yes, no. Anton, let's go to you. Yeah, I really enjoy when someone gives a little bit of their personality away with the background. Or in Stephen's case, a bit about what he does, and, you know, businesses that he's worked with, etc. I really enjoy like picking something from the background. You know, if you see like guitars set up, or I spoke to a guy recently that had a wall full of trainers, and I really liked trainers. And I knew that he'd lived in Jamaica, and I could see a pair of uh, black, yellow, and green trainers. Immediately, my eyes were drawn towards them. I was like, "Oh, did you get those in Jamaica?" And it was he was just like, "One, yeah, I did work in Jamaica too." It, it was just a little bit of rapport building. But for me personally, I'm sat in the kitchen today, hung as you know, so my connection's better. <laughs> I've usually got, you know, just the room background, but I think it's good for me personally when there's no distractions, right? So if there's a lot going on behind me or if I've got that Zoom beach effect video in the background, my eyes are following the palm tree and I'm somewhere else. So I like it either really plain or just give a little bit of your personality away. It just depends on who you're speaking to for me. 
All right. So key point, basically, it's an opportunity to just show a little bit about your life. And again, I think that closes the gap between is this just an avatar or a human being? So remember, uh, in, in you know, if we're building in-person relationships, we'll probably find out this guy had kind of spent time in Jamaica. But we don't have the opportunity to do that. We've got much more compressed opportunity to know each other. Uh, and you could signal certain things, uh, which I'm not doing a very good job. I'm not literally stopping people from finding anything out by having a screen on. Um, but that's basically through... Uh, uh, you know, impoverished circumstances. Anyway, um, in, in terms of um, uh, backgrounds, let's go go around on this. Um, so, speaking, have you thought about the background that you that you've set yourself up on? Was that something you, you, you sort of did that go into your thought process when uh, you were doing uh, video calls? Absolutely, I have two lights in front of me. I have the window in front of me, the overhead lights off, and then I have a. These photos that are all photos I've taken and the shelf with the fake plant and some books. And those are books I like. So, yeah, I feel it's simple, but has some personality. I think it looks in great. Uh, I think the lighting, the lighting is amazing. And I think there's enough in the background to be interesting, but not overwhelming. I think the, there's someone in the chat there just said, look, was it uh, was it Ralph or somebody, Rafe maybe, who said if it's too busy, maybe it, it can actually be distracting, um, which is interesting. Um, and uh, and also, uh, Maury, with the uh, idea that virtual backgrounds are bad. Uh, what's your thoughts on this, folks? Virtual background, yes, no? Nah. No? Less authentic. Definitely no. I think so. I think it damages authenticity, doesn't it? Um, like yeah. you're, you're literally faking it. It's fake news. It's, it's fake news, folks. Don't do it. Also, the, the person's head disappears into whatever <laughs> it is every couple of seconds. So you just see half a head. And it's that's more distracting than anything. That's clean right. gone. It... Stephen's gone. See, <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. Um, no, but there's there's a very funny guy. I, I think he's on Instagram and TikTok. I forget his name, but his entire channel is based on him having a fake background. But he actually wears it on his back. He's rigged up a thing, which is yeah, a big green screen, and he's got a laptop <laughs> in front of him. And he'll do stuff like yeah, go off a waterfall, <laughs> or, or he'll be playing a football match or something with this. And as he's doing a Zoom call, <laughs> that looks like a normal thing. Actually, he's getting hit with a ball. He's getting thrown into the water. <laughs> it's like crazy. But I think it's a it's a sign of the times that, hey, he's, he's playing up and, and kind of lampooning the idea that you can fake this thing. It's better almost in almost every circumstance just have a normal background. Um, okay, very, very good. Um, what about sort of, um, yeah, Dave has mentioned here about branded backgrounds. What's your thoughts on this? Stephen, you've gone with a bunch of branding there. Um, uh, any opinions on this? Is it too much? Is it too, like, what's your, does it help your influencing, I guess? Does it help you convert? So I've, I've clearly gone overkill here, but the, 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 there was a purpose for that, for this show. But you, you should change it for, uh, and I use a bit of software that allows me to do this, but even if you've just got a pop-up banner that you have behind you, or you know, in, in uh, Anton's case, if he had the logo stuck to the wall, then it means that whenever people later on are referring to that call, they say, yeah, the guy with the, the, the screen loop logo. Uh, so having a bit of branding is good, especially if you're on a call uh, or a show like this, when people are watching on replay, it doesn't always have your name underneath. But if people can see the, you know, TA Tech or Nora's, then they go, yeah, you know, the, the baldy guy with the logos, uh, then it's just a way of people remembering who you are. I think that 
Anton, if he had like a bit of screen neon on the background there, it would look really cool because it's like a very it's 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 too dull right now because there's nothing there. Um, I'm not. But if, I'm not putting the screen logo up in my kitchen. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm in not the office, you, I'm, I do. I'm not giving you interior design advice. I'm just <laughs> saying, <laughs> but it would work because there's, there's another element to this where sometimes there's a screen cap situation or there's a a video preview that might be occurring. Um, you know, do you want to have something there? I'm ambiguous on it, uh, but generally speaking, I don't think it's a terrible idea. Okay, a quick pause, folks, because we always do this in the middle of every show. It's very, very important that Bring Food Live is a conversation starter, not a conversation stopper. Um, uh, if you're interested in this topic, how to get better on video, how to influence on video, now is the time to make sure you're connected with people that are also interested in this topic. Uh, so take a moment, take your LinkedIn profile and share it in the chat stream. Share it in comments on LinkedIn, share it in the Twitter feed or wherever you're watching it, and make sure that you then connect with everyone else who's sharing their links. Uh, this is the way in which everyone basically can expand their network with people that care about this topic. If you've thought about it, if you if you thought about it and think, you know what, I need to get better at video, now is the time to make sure you're speaking to people that can help you do that. Um, by no means should 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 bring food live be it be a com uh, a show that starts the conversation and then is a bottleneck for it. Uh, so take a moment and share your LinkedIn's into the chat stream, folks. Uh, okay, um, let's moving on to the um, Stephen. Can you stop that, please? Um, <laughs> Yeah, see, that's distracting. Um, no, uh, stick your LinkedIn LinkedIn stuff in there. Okay, let's move it on to a bunch of takeaways because we've only got 10 minutes left, less than 10 minutes to talk about this. Um, if you're advising someone who um, it, that you think, you know what, could do a better job in terms of their ability to do uh, uh, to just be a bit more prominent or, or more effective on video, uh, what would that be? Um, thoughts on this? Uh, Soma, let's go to you first. Sure, and I just wanted to plug that not everyone can have a separate workspace. So it's virtual back. People are trying to put their best foot forward. So it's fine. Like, I agree. It's a little less authentic and you disappear, but you know what? It's all right. <laughs> At the end of the day. But uh, what I was going to say, it kind of ties into a couple of your earlier questions with relationship building and influencing and all of that. And I think a big, a big thing for me is just, it's very easy to be transactional, especially when people are so reachable, texting, video call, this and that versus when you're going in person and it's, it's a bit of more of an investment. And now there's just so much noise and so many touch points and just less barrier to contacting somebody. So it's important to take it out of the transaction and bring it up a notch. And, you know, I start every candidate call with, look, of course I have a role I want to talk to you about, but it might not be right for you. My main goal is just to really get to know you and think of you so that when the right thing pops up, whether it's in a month or three years, I think of you for that, but let's talk about this, right? So just keeping it in, of course, the transaction, but always bringing it up a notch. And that's, how I think a lot of these relationships can be just, just from the beginning of the call to setting that that precedent. All right, let me just restate this. I think it's a super, super uh, important point. Um, it is, you can build relationships on video, um, but if you launch straight into get it done mode, um, then no, of course you're not gonna get a relationship built because you're on a mission to just power through this thing. Um, and, and the other person might get a sense that that's what you're trying to do. And, you know, that's, that's, that's like, oh, this person's too busy to speak to me. Um, so, um, as, as a recruiter, maybe you can say, Hey, let's, let's, let's find out about, about you. The first thing you do, allow them to speak, uh, rather than go in there with a pitch that I think could be very effective with hiring managers also, 
Uh, imagine if you're an internal recruiter uh, and you're, you know, meeting a, a hiring manager for the first time at intake, rather than just ask questions about this, ask about the manager, where is he or she come from? Where's their direction of travel? What, what are their concerns? That could be very, very powerful. Um, so almost flipping the thing and have them interview you. Um, okay, cool. Uh, let's go to you, Mike. What's the one thing that you've learned in your journey, you know, moving on to, to this new medium uh, that we've, uh, that we're all kind of now have to do in a Mandarin way? Um, yeah, it, interestingly, it's, um, I mean, I was just posting the question, what do people, what do people think about what you wear? You know, now I, I'm kind of always, uh, you know, uh, quite often depending on what what i'm doing i'll you know I'll, I'll have a collar on you know i've kind of always put a shirt but you know more interestingly i find it a bit more, <laughs> yeah. more sorry i just i just uh, had this horrible vision of you being yeah, like semi-naked yeah and i was yeah. thinking has it has, has anyone AB <laughs> tested this um yeah. does it actually help conversion michael um no, it's interesting you know th then you start sort of speaking to people and they're in a hoodie and you go well actually uh, it's you know i think it's really kind of Again, what you wear is kind of quite personal and, and um, says things about you. Yeah. And, and I think actually um, it's become a lot more sort of casual in terms of what people do wear now on, on video. And that's been just been really interesting because you're always like, what, what, how should I? You know, it's like, do I, do I, should I be dressing like I'm going to a meeting in, in London or, or can I just have a, a, you know, a t shirt and a hoodie on? And, and I think more and more now, everybody seems so much more relaxed. And I think if you're more relaxed, you're more yourself. Yeah, that's a really good point. So your your, your clothing, um, again, in person, I thought it's, it's actually over, it, it, it's, we over-index on that. We look at people's shoes, we look at their suit, we look at does it fit right? You know, all of those things are like irrationally important, right? But we do make those assessments. Um, but in, in video, thankfully, a lot of that stuff's gone away. Um, I, I think there's probably certain things you shouldn't be wearing on video uh, for a work-related call, I would say um uh, i remember you know it was like super hot like uh, a week ago two weeks ago or something it was like roasting literally i, I couldn't do anything other than wear like a, a a vest um but but i felt that was underdressed when i had that conversation with this person because uh, i I've, i felt that they felt it was, i was underdressed i thought okay yeah, <laughs> it's pro probably not great so so i think you need to have something but you don't need to wear uh, anything overly too much there is an argument to wear the same thing. I'm wearing a white shirt with color all the time on Brave Food Live. You go through the history of 165 of these shows. I'm always wearing the same thing. Two reasons why I do that. Number one, so I don't need to think about what I'm wearing. Uh, so that's actually important. So I don't have the, the processing required. But number two, I'm also trying to create a brand. I'm also trying to say, yeah, this guy's always wearing the same thing. It's kind of boring, but that's what, that's what I'm trying to do. So it may be if you're like, publicly doing it then it might be worthwhile doing the the steve jobs you and kind of wear the, the the black turtleneck all the time just to increase the brand uh, uh presence who who's you know graham palfrey smith um the uh, the great recruiter uh, he always wears like a completely amazing shirt every time he's always wearing like the, yeah. the most amazing pants that's his brand so maybe there's something there in terms of like being consistent um okay stephen one takeaway sir uh no matter who your audience is, be appropriate and, uh, and and think about what they what the impression they're getting. So, if you need to change your background, if you need to change your shirt, if you need to change uh, your, uh, your your persona uh, without straying too far away from being authentic, then uh, be appropriate to your audience. Some people are putting out broadcast content all the time. They might be YouTubers and they have a heightened version of themselves when they're putting out content and selling jobs and so on. And when you go on a Zoom call with a candidate talking about a vacancy or a hiring manager, you want to be appropriate to the person you're speaking to, but also not 
too far away from the real person that you are on your broadcast video. So as appropriate as possible. That's actually a really good uh, uh, angle. And it's also, I think, a really wonderful topic for a future Brain Food Live. Like, how do you uh, draw the line between uh, customizing your, your approach, um, mm. which a good salesperson or anybody who's influencing knows how to do? You know, you're, you're not the same person, exactly the same person in every interaction. But how do you stay authentic on that? Like, what is the balance? Because I think there is some people overcorrect one way or the other. Uh, some mm. people are uh, literally comedians um, and they come across as charming at a superficial level. But then you think, why is this person so different? Um, and then there's other people that are so resistant to changing their, their approach at all. Um, yeah. And they're like just crudely stepping forward as who they are. And you think, whoa, uh, this, this, this person's too much. So that is a future Brave Food Live topic. Thank you very much. Um, okay, Anton, leave it with you, sir. Um, what, give us one tip, one takeaway that you've seen. In fact, as, as a person that's looking at screen loop, you probably can see some stats on this. Like, who is the, how do you do, how are you effective on video? Um, what things can you tell us? Yeah, I think it goes back to focus and being present with the candidate um, or the person that you're trying to sell to. I'm horrendous at multitasking. If I start typing, my mind then says whatever I'm typing. So I'm just horrendous at it. Um, <laughs> So essentially, I think it's really good to use technology in sales. There's gong, like sales calls, loads of salespeople use gong because it transcribes everything that happens. Screen loop similar for interviews. So you, you can be present with the candidate. It takes care of your notes, highlights, anything for you so that you can be present with the candidate. Yeah, very, very. So that's actually quite important because sometimes you do need to take notes. And I remember there's, there's a, there's a, a, a a couple of calls with a with a company I'm dealing with that I've failed to take notes because I want to be present. And now that I've failed to take notes, I've actually forgotten the content of that conversation, um, which is really bad because it's quite important that yeah. that meeting was was for me. So I'm like, oh crap! I, I, like, how do I how do I get this back? Um, I, so I used to get anyway. so I used to get so paranoid that someone would see me looking down writing that I would write looking in the camera and I'd look at my notes at the end of the call yeah, and it'd just yeah, be a yeah. squiggle down the page. Remembering Absolutely. that you can record the video. Exactly. Well, I mean, sometimes you need to ask permission, right? I forget to, this is also something I fail to do, you know? Um, but anyway, that is really important. We've got to figure out a way to do it, this technology to help us. Anyway, that's the end of the show, folks. We've got to leave it there. Thank you so much to our guests. Uh, Soma, thank you so much for getting up early and joining us today for the show. Um, I'd love to get you back if you're up for it. Um, uh, you have a very good uh, weekend. Uh, Mike, great to see you as well. We'll hopefully catch up soon, my friend. Um, and Stephen, always great to have you on the show. Thanks for dropping Anytime. in um, and uh, doing it last night. It's great to have you, sir. Thank you. Cheers, great to be here. I was, oh, Anton's disappeared. I was about to continue the conversation with Anton to say, hey, that was a really great show. Uh, but anyway, he's gone. Um, that's fine. I hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. Um, how to get better in video. There's so many things that we need to talk about. Um, camera angles, how you pitch your voice. Maury, I totally get it. You got to use your outside voice. Don't mumble away. Um, but I think the camera angle, the way you're sitting and the control of the environment is the key. Um, anyway, that is it for today. I hope you've had a great time. We are going to be back next week. Uh, guess what? We've got Founders Focus, Return of Founders Focus favorite thing for me to do is to speak to CEOs that are changing the way in which we work today. We've got Mehul Bat, um, CEO of Flow Career, the interview as a service product. Uh, that's happening with us next week. Um, I think it's Wednesday. Um, and then on Friday, we are going to be talking about how to source on Reddit. 
um, by popular demand, folks, uh, by popular demand, where Aaron Matthew and Vim Demand join us again. They're people who I would say are the preeminent experts on using Reddit as recruiters to source candidates. Uh, so if you're a tech recruiter and you care about this, uh, you need to follow the channel and you need to register on that show. I think it's going to be a sellout. There's a 250 seat limit on the plant I have on Crowdcast. So you better make sure you sign up ASAP. Uh, how to source on Reddit. That's happening next Friday. Okay, that's it, folks. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for watching.